We are following our theme of the radical life. And this morning we've uh, talked about our seniors and we've uh, honored our seniors. And next Sunday we will honor mothers. And so I thought that we're, since we've had two Sundays where we're honoring members of the family, that uh, this, this month we would talk about what does uh, the radical family look like? And, and uh, as I was looking through and trying to figure out exactly how to go with that, I ended up in Ephesians chapter 5. And I don't know if we'll be here the whole month, but we're going to be here quite a bit of the time uh, during uh, this month. And we're going to start uh, with the first eight verses this morning. And uh, really, we'll be mostly in the first two, but uh, we're going to go on down to a few more. But uh, let's, let's stand this morning in honor of God's Word. The Word always speaks in pictures and shows us that it's, if you're going to be what God wants you to be, this is what it looks like. And it's very uh, simple to understand, uh, but sometimes hard to live out. And so this morning, I, I think sometimes we make it out to be harder than what it really is. And so this morning, I just want you to listen to hear what God might say to you. We are imitators. God has created us to be imagers, imitators, imagers. And we will image whatever is... Uh, influencing us and either we're going to image God and what God is wanting to show us or we will imitate the world which would be Satan and so this morning I want you to just let the word speak to you I will fall short this morning I have struggled this week seems like and so we want the word to speak we always want the word to speak uh, but this morning, I just want you to pray that the word would speak to your heart. Let's read this together. This is my Bible, the living word of God. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. This word is the truth. It never changes. and can never be destroyed. Right now, my mind is alert. My heart is open. I'm about to receive a life-changing experience. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. We're going to read these first eight verses here. Ephesians chapter 5. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Has anybody listened to the news this week? And uh, it seems like the world to me, is just becoming more and more sexually immoral. And God has called us to this. This is what he's called us to. This is the picture. And Paul says that we are called to not have a hint of sexual immorality among us or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. This is not who God's people are, is what he's saying. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy people, 
such as a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For we were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I pray that this church and our people would be light in a dark, dark world. And Father, help us at a time when it seems like things are just going off track. There doesn't seem to be any hope left. Father, I pray that you would give our church the hope that you gave me this week, that the light shines brightest when it is the darkest. And Father, we have a wonderful opportunity at this time to shine bright for you and to be a sharp contrast to the sick world we live in. And God, help us as the church to not look like the world, but to look like you and to be an image of God. And I pray that you would speak through your word today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Senior Sunday, and this is a Sunday when we celebrate those uh, who have uh, gone, come to the milestone of graduation, a big step in maturity. And this is a period when, when uh, kids are starting to get a little more freedom and, and parents are starting to let go. Uh, and kids are starting to make more choices in their life. And, uh, and it is a time when, when they are becoming adults. And, and hopefully, I don't know about you, but when I, when I got to this point in my life, I didn't feel like I was really ready. And when my kids uh, came to this point in my life, I felt like, boy, I wish I'd have told them this. I wish I'd told them this. I wish I'd told them this. And sometimes we don't feel like we're exactly ready to uh, be let go. And I remember uh, when I was coming home from graduation, I was driving my horse and buggy back to the house from the little one-house, one-room school. No, it wasn't that bad. But I, I remember specifically at this time, and I've shared this with you before, and I, I feel like sometimes, I know I repeat things, but the word repeats things, and so it's okay to repeat things. But I had lots of people saying, so what are the plans for your life? And all of a sudden I thought, I was supposed to have my life planned. And I was thinking, you know, I spent all that time hunting and fishing and milking cows and hauling hay and goofing around and killing frogs and dating Cindy and in all the busyness and taking tests and going to school and in all the busyness of those things, doggone it, I forgot to plan out my whole life. And I thought, I sh why didn't somebody tell me I should have had that done? And lots of times I think we think, and, and I think sometimes you guys think, boy, I, I've got to have everything planned out by the time I graduate. I've got to have this done. And, and we come to this place, and, so, and, and sometimes it's very real. You're like, what am I supposed to be doing? What am I? And, and you know, we, we had these kids up here this morning, and, and they was, most of them, I love their answers. I don't know. What I'm, I'm going to tell you what, when I, when I was up there giving the same answer at the old highway church of the Nazarene, I really felt a lot of pressure that I was supposed to know. I'm glad that you guys can say, you know, I don't know. You don't have to know. It's not a, it's not a, you know, you don't have to know by the time you turn 18, what you're supposed to do. You may change. How many of you have changed careers in your life more than once? Two of you. No, 
Lots of people. Lots of people. You go through life and, and you think, okay, this, you don't have to be the same thing your whole life, all right? And, and God has different uh, seasons in life. And so, uh, uh, but during this time, people are going to give you all kinds of advice, and, and your parents have ideas, and, and, and they may have different things that they're telling you. And maybe they're saying, you know, you need to go to school. You've got to get an education. And, and I think sometimes in our society we think that you absolutely, if you don't have a college education, then you're out. I'm going to tell you, I, and, and, this, and I, I'm not against it. All my kids went to college, but you don't have to. That is not for everybody. But it is a good thing. That's good advice. But that's just advice. And then some parents are going to tell you, you know, right now you've got to get a job. I'm going to tell you what, it's always a good idea to get a job. That's always good advice. Always have a job. Even if you're going to school, that's a good idea. And some parents may be telling you, you know, you need to get married. I doubt if there's very many parents telling you that right now, but there's some that might be saying that. And then there's some of them that say, you don't need to get married. You don't ever need to get married. I don't know if there's anybody saying that, but, but there might be some uh, that, that would say, you know, you don't need to have a family right now. And if you guys went around, if all you seniors went, and if you asked 10 different people that you went to school with, they'd have 10 different ideas of what you ought to be doing. And everybody always has all this good advice, plus all the advice you get off TV and the internet and all these things. You have all this advice from your friends and from the world, and you ask your friends things, and they have never... You ever notice that people ask their friends? They ask other people who are going through it. Seniors ask other seniors, well, what are you going to do? They don't know anything. They've never done it before. And so we all get, if you, had, if you asked 10 different people or 20 different people, you'd have all this different advice as to what I need to be doing. And the truth of it is, sometimes, even when we're not seniors, even in our everyday life, even I talk to people who are 70, 80 years old and saying, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And I think if we're all honest, there, there's times in our life, even, even probably once or twice a year, you, you stop and think and you're in, in the word and you're speaking and you're hearing what God is saying and you just step back and say, Am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And I think we all ask that question. And it's a really good question to ask. Is this how I'm supposed to be doing it? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing at this time? And this advice is given, so-and-so went here, so-and-so did this, so-and-so got married, you should be like them. So-and-so did it like this, that's what you should do. Have you ever heard that one before? Well, so-and-so's working here, you should go work there. Or so-and-so went to school here, so you should go there. Well, so-and-so's doing this with their life, that's what you should do. And we have this continuous pressure to be an imitator of someone else. So-and-so did it, so you should imitate them. And we hate to admit it, but the truth is we are designed to imitate. We're designed to imitate. We're designed. Now, we're not designed to imitate other people. We're designed to imitate God. We're designed to image God. But because it is in our design to imitate, we have the feeling that because someone else did it, that we need to imitate them as well. And this is not uh, 
uh, you know, in the, in the world we live in, everybody goes, oh, well, you're an original. There's nobody like you. Well, you are. But we all imitate someone. We all imitate. And uh, if you don't believe it, just look around. People drive cars like other people drive. People wear clothes. I was at the garage sale the other day. We had the free garage sale. And I don't know who brought them in. But I walked in there, and there was a round table. And I counted them. There was over 30 pairs of Levi's 501 jeans. And whoever had these jeans, they were in pristine condition. And whoever it was, I don't like them because they had not gained an ounce in all the years they had, because they were all the same size. I was, I don't like them. I don't know who it was, but I don't like them. And we were talking about, and, and, and some of the, some of the people come in and they said, well, look at this. It's got a button fly. And I was like, for yeah. Those, those, those were the, back in the day, that's what we wore. Ain't that right, Joe? That's right. That's right. That's all we... Cale, were you, you're not that old. Did you wear 501s? He still wears 501s. He still wears... Yes! Cale's mm. <laughs> old school and always will be. Back in the day, that's what we wore. That I would... That's all we wore. That's all I wore. I never wore anything else. And I would, we would go up and once a year up at the Busy Bee, you don't even know what the Busy Bee is, but up at the Busy Bee up in Springfield, they would go on sale and they'd be cheap. And man, I'd load up on the old 501s. 501s were shrink to fit. Everybody washes your jeans now. These were shrink to fit. You had to buy them. They wouldn't even make them big enough for me now, but you had to buy them. There was, there was a, and there was a little card on there that said, if you're this size, you get them two inches too big here and two inches too big there. And they would all shrink up and, oh man, they were awesome. They fit perfect. They fit perfect. And everybody I ran around with, we wore 501 jeans. That's what we wore. And I was an imitator. I was an imitator. We all imitated each other. And when I went to school, we all imitated each other. We all wore leather basketball shoes. That's what we wore. I don't know if they, bring, if they even make leather basketball shoes anymore. But we wore leather basketball shoes. Everybody on the team wore leather basketball shoes. We imitated each other. And then in the summertime, when I would go home and we would work, and we worked all summer, I would, Kellum, where's Kellum? Come here, Kellum. Come here, Kellum. Come here. I saw Kellum this morning. I was like, I can't believe this. This is so awesome. Come here. Come here. This was me in 1985, except I was, except I was taller and better looking. This was my outfit, except for those fruity boots. I'm just joking, man. I'm just joking. This is what I wore. Come here. I wore a, I wore a white t-shirt. You know why? And if Sonny's here, your dad always wore a white T-shirt, didn't he? Your Uncle Jim always wore, always wore a white T-shirt. Everybody around me that milked cows, we wore white T-shirts and 501 jeans. And we, you can sit down. But this is what I look like, except I was taller. And I was built up like that. I used to be skinny and muscular back in the day. And so, but we wore... And Kay will know what I'm talking about. Some of you old guys, and your, da- your dad probably still wears them. Red wing Pecos boots. Does anybody know? Yeah, I get an amen. Got an amen over here. 
slip on, they were a slip on red wing Pecos boot. And I wore that in high school. You know why? Because that's what my dad wore. And that's what Jimmy wore across the hill and he milked cows. And that's what Lance and Justin wore. And that's what Shannon wore. And that's what Johnny wore. And that's what Bob wore. And that's everybody that milked in my church that I went to church with. That's what we wore. And Joe, I'm right, aren't I? That's what we wore. Joe didn't milk because he wouldn't milk cows. He was, just, he was from the city. He lived in the country. He had a city job. No, I'm just joking. And we wore them. That's what we wore. And you say, oh, well, that's, that's because that was, that was back in the day. And, and that's what everybody wore back then. But we don't, we don't do those kinds of things now. Has anybody ever seen, has anybody seen these kids walk around with these big red wing boots with the white, big thick soles on them? Because that's what Travis Replogle and Travis Schmidt, that's what all these concrete guys work. All these guys that really work for a living, that's what they wear. And I was talking to Sammy Roast, because Sammy has a pair, because he really works. And Sammy said that he went up to Springfield to buy a pair. And tell me if I'm wrong, Sammy. And he started, and he asked for this certain pair of shoes. And the guy said, you're from Marshfield, aren't you? Is that true? Is it true? I couldn't hear you. It's true. I thought I was right. He said, it is a Marshfield thing. He said, we don't sell those boots to any place else hardly at all. Isn't that right, Sammy? He said, it's Marshfield. Why? Because we're imitators. We're imitators. And they're very comfortable boots. I wish I could buy a pair and wear them. But people would say, why, you don't work? Why you got those boots on for? I cannot, I cannot, I love them though. I want to wear them, but I'm, I don't do any work. But we're imitators. We're imitators. And that's what we used to do. And so we, we imitated and people go, oh no, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an original. I'm an original. Have anybody ever seen the Dr. Pepper commercial? Being original. Being original and drink Dr. Pepper. Like millions of other people. <laughs> I mean, you're not an original. But we are imitators. And we look at kids today and we look even at us. And we are imitators and we, are imita- we imitate whatever we're influenced by because we are built to imitate. God has built us to carry his image. We are built to imitate him. And, and God designed us so that he would come and we would look at him and, people, we, and we, would, we would look like him so that people could look at our lives, especially in marriage, so people could look at our lives and say, well, that's who God is. If you looked at me when I was a kid and you saw me with my Pecos boots and my 501s and my white t-shirt and my ball cap on, you'd say, that kid probably milks cows. He looks like a kid that would milk cows. That's what I look like. God wants us to be such a people that when people see us and watch us, when they watch us when we work, when they watch us when we interact with our family, when they watch us in school, when they watch us interacting with the people around us, that people could look at us and say, there's something godly about that person. Not that we are godly, but that we are like God. Now, when people look at us, there's no way that they would say, okay, that's who God is. But it's, it's they, that we are the image, meaning that you could look at them and figure out that's what they're trying to be. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, I've told you the story about I had a model car once, and it was a Richard Petty car. 
And I knew exactly what the, I knew exactly what the Richard Petty car looked like but from looking at the model, okay? People ought to see what God is like by looking at us. And so we are built to imitate. So God made man to image certain characteristics and he made woman to image certain characteristics and he created marriage so when we get those characteristics together we get a really good picture of who God is and we are made to imitate and so as you choose and I was talking to the kids again as you choose your school or your job or your mate or wherever you're going to live or things like that and for us even as, as we're here The first thing we need to do, if you're wondering what do I need to be doing, the first thing all of us need to be doing all the time is being imitators of God. You can always be saved doing that. You can always you may you may not know where your next job's going to be, or you may not know where you're going to school, you may not know who your mate is, but you can be sure that you are always safe to be imitating God. It is always a good idea to be imitating God. And so when you don't know what else to do, do this. Imitate God. Always be an imager of God. People are supposed to be able to look at us and see. The word says, literally, I looked it up on the Google, and it says imitate means to duplicate exact resemblance. An exact resemblance. They ought to be able to look at, your kids should be able to look at your marriage and have a really, really good resemblance of who God is. They ought to be able to see the characteristics of God that a man has. They ought to be able to see the characteristics of God that a woman has. And they ought to see that put together and have a very, very, the word says an exact resemblance of God. They should be able to see that. And the people you work with should be able to see that. And God seeks that in our lives. And so if you're ever wondering, what do I need to be doing? You need to be imitating God. Why do we have to? So that other people will see what God's character is. We'll see that God loves people and that God loves his family and that God loves the church. And he wants to be seen in all of these things. And and. Every other goal that you have in life, all these other things we talked about, should come in second to my desire to image God. I want to be a successful business person, but first, I want to image God. I want to have a wonderful marriage and a wonderful family, but first, I am going to image God. I want to be good at being a pastor. I want to be a good pastor, but the first thing I want to do is image God. Some of you are still in school and you want to be really good basketball players. I talk uh, on Tuesdays when we have little kids and, and they're getting ready to head into baseball season and things like that. And, and we pray about different things. And the little kids, you know, they're the kids and they pray about things that are not, don't, don't seem that important to us, but they're important. I don't want to say that they're not important, but they're probably not as important as what we think they are. Anyway. But you'll ask the little kids, you know, what can we pray for you for? Oh, that, I, that, I, that I'll do good in my baseball game. Well, if you got anything else we need to pray for you about, we can pray for that, but anything else. No, I just really want to do good in my baseball game. Well, that's, that's okay. But kids, parents, teach your kids that before they can, before they should, before their desire to be good at the baseball team, they should image God. Everything falls underneath this. Our very first thing, the very first thing we do, the very first thing we, we take care of in our life is 
I image God and then the rest of it falls down. Because if I'm imaging God, then my marriage is going to be way better. If I'm imaging God, then my wife's going to want to come alongside me and image God as well. And then my kids are going to see the image of God in in mom and dad in, in the place of marriage. And everything falls in after that. But first, our first priority is to image God. And God seeks for us as the church to be in the community and in this world that we live in, that we look at and we listen to the radio and we're afraid to go to the bathroom anymore anywhere. And we're like, what in the world is going on around us? It seems like a dark world, doesn't it? Maybe it's just me. But I'm like, me and Cindy have been talking about all week and you listen to the radio and and hear things and you're like, good grief, what's the world coming to? And you can get a little bit... You know, you know, like Eeyore, you know, what am I going to do? All is ended. But the word says that the light, when is the light the brightest? When it gets the darkest. We are at a, we are at a wonderful point in the church and it's not a time to just sing back and say, well, I'm just going to wait till Jesus comes. I'm just going to come to church and I'll, I'm save me and mine and I'll just wait till Jesus comes and the whole rest of the world, I can just go to hell. If that's what they want to do. They just go and I'll sit and watch, but that's not what God's called us to church. God has called us that when things start getting dark and the world starts pushing in and sin becomes this thing that makes everything around it darker, you know why it's getting darker? Darkness, you can't pump in darkness. I was talking to my Sunday school class about this this morning. You can't add darkness. The only time it gets darker is when light is taken away. And light is being taken away because the church is not proclaiming the light. The church is not imaging God. The church is not imaging God in marriage. The church is not imaging God in in being a dad. The church is not imaging God in our schools and in our homes. God has called us to image him. And the reason things are getting dark is not because an increase of darkness. It's a decrease of light in the light of the church. And church, God has called us in this dark time, in the dark times when the light shines brighter. It's when the people of the world can see a bigger, cleaner contrast than any other time before ever. It's a time when people can say, hmm, there's something different about you. There's, I see something different. We ought to be shining our light in the image of God so that the world can see a sharp contrast in, in what the world says and what God says. This is a wonderful time to be the church. This is a time when we should be shining more. And the word tells us that if we do some of these things, that, that this, is, this is what it looks like and not to be like the world. The word, the word starts, starts off and says, how, how, how can we image God? Oh, I wanted to look at it in the Amplified. I thought I had it marked. I had my other Amplified Bible. It says, therefore, be imitators of God, copy him and follow his example as well-beloved children. Imitate the father. Walk in, and this is saying, how do you do it? Well, how do I do that? How do I imitate God? Walk in love, esteem and delighting in one another. 
As a church, we need to be holding each other up and encouraging each other and and esteeming each other, thanking each other for the work that each other does, encouraging each other as we go along. If someone's having a hard time, come on in behind them and, and prop them up and tell them, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, I'm lifting you up. That's what God looks like. What do you think that looks like to the world? Nobody, everybody else is just like, well, I'm sorry, you're falling down. I'll see you later. I'm going to keep on going. And God tells us that this is what it looks like to be the church here in, here in chapter 5. He said, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, slain offering and sacrifice to God for you so that it is a sweet fragrance. He says we're supposed to be like Christ was. We're supposed to be sacrificing for one another. I think sometimes the reason we don't see God working any more than we see him is because of a lack of sacrifice in the church. We come to church, what can the church give up? What does the church have for me? What can I get? Paul says, if you really want to be involved in the church, sacrifice. Give like Christ did. Be part of, of, uh, of sacrificing. He says when we sacrifice, when we come to church and say, not what can I get, but what can I give? What do I have to offer? What are my strengths? What are my talents? What are my treasures? I, I, when I give those things, instead of a life of receiving, we need to be a life of sacrifice. And when we do that, it says that we become a sweet fragrance. If you've ever been to teen camp, or just any kind of camp. About day two, there comes a funk in the room. I mean, especially, it, it gets, hmm. And they, they go and they play and they put all their clothes in a pile so that instead of drying out, it becomes a moldy, musty mess. And it's just this feng shui and it is, moo. And it starts, it starts stinking, all right? And you have this room where that happens. And then at chapel time at night, I mean, they've been playing all day. They're outside playing basketball, swimming and and volleyball and all this stuff. And they play all this stuff and they just sweat and stink. They just stink. They stink. I mean, that's what happens. Okay? But then come chapel time, they've probably got them some girl that they've seen from some other church. And they don't want to go to chapel smelling like stank. And so they will go and shower and put on all new clothes. And in the midst of the funk, these boys will walk through and they'll smell clean. You ever notice how clean, clean smells among a stink? And they'll walk through and they'll have their clean clothes on and they'll take in their shower and their hair will be all combed and they'll have the smell of soap and deodorant and usually about half a bottle of Axe on them. And in the midst of the funk, you smell this really good clean. And the word says that that Jesus, in the midst of all the sin of the world, he sacrificed and he becomes this fragrant offering. That when we lay down ourselves, we become this fragrant that in the midst of a stink, you know that the church can have a smell. And if we are a church who is laying down ourselves and, and laying down our, 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 what, what is for our, our own sake for someone else, the word says that that becomes a fragrance and that it 
has a different smell to it. And I believe that if we are a church who begins to sacrifice and lay down and, and do not what, what is good for us and, and not what helps us, but what helps others, I think not only will we become a fragrant smell to the Lord, I think there will be a smell about us in the community. We had the, uh, I keep going back to us, but back to this. I think the old uh, free sale sends up a little bit of a good fragrance through the community. I really do. We had people come through and, and we had different people and they was like, okay, I want to pay for this stuff. And we was like, no, it's all free. And they're like, no, really, really. We want to pay for this stuff. And we're like, no, really, it's free. And they're like, what's the catch? No catch. Just free. That smells different. Because everybody else has got a catch. But that smells different. What about if when you went to work, you came in and said, hey, boss, I'm glad to be here. I'm here 10 minutes early. Got anything you need me to do? And you work till 5 o'clock. And you do more than you're asked to do. And you're honest. And you, and you look out for the company. And you're making sure that you're trying to give the best day's work that you have. I'm going to tell you what. You're going to start smelling different than everybody else you work with. And you know that's true. Because most everybody else says, I don't want to come on time. I don't want to leave on time. I want to do the least I can and pay me as much as you can. But what if you went in and did the very best you could? You'd have a different smell about you. And God says that we are to be that. We are to have that different smell about us. And, and Christ had this fragrance. And he said that we are to have that fragrance as well. Because we're supposed to imitate him. And so we should be this fragrant. Verse, verse 3 says, goes on to say, But immorality, sexual vice, and all impurity of lustful, rich, wasteful living or greediness must not even be named among you. In the NIV it said this morning, it said, There should not be a hint of these things. Not even a hint. We're to be clean. We're to have that clean about us. And just a hint of these things stinks, doesn't it? Go, go home to your wife and, and say, you know, I just had a little bit of lust for someone I saw today. Just a little. See how that goes. Tell me how that works out for you. It's just a little bit. Just a, just a little bit of lust there. after some, It stinks. Man, I'm going to tell you what, that, my wife's mad because I even said it. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit of that and, and they're just, Every woman in here bulled up. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> a little bit don't, ha- a little, that's terrible. A little bit of that ain't, a little bit, of, and, and it says just a hint of that. We don't need any of that. And then it says in verse six, and, and the world says, oh, you can have that. You can do that. It's okay. Don't worry. It's just a little bit. It's just a little bit of that stuff in your life. It'll be all right. And verse 6 says, don't let, verse 6 says in the Amplified says, let no one delude and deceive you with empty excuses and groundless arguments for these sins. For through these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of rebellion and disobedience. He said, don't you be fooled by what the world says. A little bit of this stuff stinks. A little bit of this stuff is not 
going to be work. You cannot have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You cannot have a little bit of sexual immorality. You cannot have a little bit of lust. You cannot have a little bit of greediness in your life and be imaging God. It does not work. And he says, don't let anybody fool you. You stink. Don't let anybody fool you. And we live in a world that says you can do whatever you want to. But I'm going to tell you what, if you have a hint of these things in your life, you stink. You know what's worse than a sweaty kid that's just got done playing basketball? We should do this. Chesley Roast was the worst. He used to do this, and my son was, they'd do the same thing. They'd come in from basketball practice, and they'd get in the car. And you know what was worse than just the stink of him, Alan? You know, you know it's true, because you lived with him. What would he do? He'd try to cover it up with something. So then you have the smell of skunk or whatever, and then they try to cover it up with some kind of a spray, something or another. And we used to do it in high school. We'd do it, we'd go, I don't have time for a shower. I'll just put some right guard on. They don't even make right guard anymore, do they? You know, like that covered it up. And now you just smelled like a musty pair of tennis shoes that someone sprayed something on and you stunk you weren't clean you weren't clean you stunk you stink and I think sometimes we think oh I can I can have a little bit of this I can take part in a little bit of this stuff and it's okay and 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 these things are all right as long as I come to church on Sunday morning you stink you stink. And you're not fooling anybody. You're not fooling your family. You're not fooling the people you work with. And you stink. And it just now came to me that we live in a world that needs to have a sharp contrast. And sometimes in the church, we have these things in our lives that we think just a little bit of it's okay and it's not bothering anybody. And we don't smell any different than the world. And the truth is we stink worse because we're trying to cover it up with a little bit of church here and there. I want us to stand. Lance, come. God seeks for us to be imitators of him. And he is clean and he is pure. And he says when we lay down our lives for him that we become this fragrance. We're like the clean boys walking through the dirty world, through the dirty room. We become the clean people that God has designed us to be walking through a dirty world. And if the people are in the dirty world, if you have walk a clean boy through a stinky dorm room, everybody goes, that smells clean. And God has called us in this sick and twisted world that we live in to be a fragrance of him. And the world doesn't have to agree with us, but it needs to be that when we walk through our world and we go through our world and we go through our life of work and we go through our life in our marriage and we go through our life in our home, that our kids and our spouse and the people that we work with and the people that we go to school with, when we walk by, there should be something that goes... Mm. 
They're different. He goes on to talk about light and darkness. I didn't even touch on that. But God has called us to be imitators of him and not to have a hint of the world on us. And I'm afraid sometimes we come into church and we try to cover up the stink of sin in our life. And the truth is we still stink. If you've got sin in your life, you stink. This morning I'm going to open up the altars. And man, it's just, this, this doesn't... That's okay. we can't be honest in church we can't be honest anywhere you know that and we're all friends here and we have all at one time or another had sin in our life every one of us and I have had sin in my life when I stunk and the Lord came to me and said you stink and you need to repent and it may be a little sin or you may be in deep sin this morning. And I don't know where you're at. But the word calls us to repentance, to a place where we come to the Lord and said, I hate that I stink. I hate that I am not what you have called me to be. And I hate that I'm not imaging you. And I am going to, I not only am I sorry for what I've done, but I'm going to quit this and I'm going to image you. And if that's you this morning, I haven't made it easy, but repentance isn't easy. Repentance is never easy. Okay? And we've all had to do this. And if the Lord is speaking to you this morning, and you say, I need to come down there, but I'm afraid what people will think. Nobody cares. I'm going to tell you right now. Nobody cares. Everybody be rejoicing with you. Everybody be like, great. If you need to come and pray this morning come as we sing just as I am today just as I am